One of my uh, pastoral mentors used to like to say that none of us really want to begin where we are. We would all like to begin where we would be if we had started when we should have. Well, Lent always begins in the same place, and it's not, not where we want to begin. It always begins in the wilderness, which is clearly not the place you would have chosen to go for, for your spring break. You know. It's that barren wilderness into which Matthew says, the Spirit led Jesus. Some of the other translations say, the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. It was not a place where he wanted to go. Now, throughout Scripture, uh, the wilderness is not just a place on the map. Wilderness is a place in the human soul. It is that place where we wrestle with who we are and who God is calling us to be like Moses and the children of Israel 40 years in the wilderness. The, the wilderness is that in-between place, the space between where we've been and where we're going. It's that barren space between a familiar and comfortable past and an unfamiliar and often risky and unpredictable future. It's that in-between place. Now, uh, children who are here with us in service this morning, I want you to know that all of us have experienced what you've experienced. Uh, you remember, time to go on a trip, on a vacation, spring break something. We're excited when we get in the car and the trip starts, and then the miles start to get long, and that you know, that age-old question begins to emerge, are we there yet? And, and then we start squabbling with the brother or sister with whom we are supposed to be sharing the back seat because the, the space from where we are to where we're going can get very long and weary and frustrating. That's, that's the wilderness place in the Bible. Jesus was in between his baptism when he heard God say, you are my beloved son, and the start of his ministry of teaching and healing. And it's in the wilderness, in that in-between space, that the gospel writers say he was tempted. Some translations say tested by the devil. Satan. Now, let's just clear the deck of all of those cheesy, silly images of the devil as some guy dressed up in a red jumpsuit running around with a pitchfork in his hand. That's Dante. That's not in Scripture. There's none of that in the Bible. In the Bible, Satan is the imaginative personification, picture language, to describe that deep inner tug that would draw us off the way in which God would have us go. It's, it's the subtle, enticing temptation to get off God's way and to go our own way. And so the devil comes to Jesus with these temptations, and they all have one thing in common. 
in all of the Gospels, all the ways the temptations are described, the one thing they have in common is they all tempt Jesus to take a shortcut to accomplish his mission. Jesus is tempted to find some way to get to Easter without having to go through the cross. The temptation is to somehow convince people that he is the Son of God without going through the messy, painful business of being fully and genuinely human. And if you think about it, the truth is that sooner, generally rather than later, we, we face the same temptation. We, we live in an instant gratification culture. We want a quick fix, and we want it right now. We, we would really like to have great food, but we don't particularly like the time that it takes to prepare it, settle for a TV dinner. We, we would like to have healthy bodies, but we don't really much like the time we have to spend in the gym. We, we, we want to be loved and to love, uh, but we, we're not willing sometimes to go through the pain that goes with loving. We, we would like to be people who really do love God and love others, but we're not so patient with the spiritual disciplines that would enable us to become the kind of person we'd like to be. We want lots of good things, but we want them now. And when the answer doesn't come quickly, we, we can easily, easily become frightened, anxious, frustrated, fearful. It's what it means to walk through the wilderness. But the truth is that some things, particularly the things that really matter, always do take time. I mean, look at it this way. If God wants a mushroom, God can pop that thing up overnight. But if God wants a California redwood, it's going to take God some time for that thing to grow. Oh, look at it this way. A healthy pregnancy always takes nine months. If, if the pregnancy is short-circuited, then we call it premature. And it is always a high-risk situation. The journey through the wilderness shapes and forms us to move from where we've been to where we will be. As I've uh, reflected on this story this year, I've, uh, the new aha for me was that this is, sure enough, an individual journey. Jesus walked this lonesome valley. He had to walk it by himself. And, and there's a sense in which each one of us has to make our own solitary journey through the wilderness. But the surprise, the aha, was that it's just as true for us as a community of disciples. It's just as true for the church as it is for individuals. Somewhere along the way, we find ourselves in that wilderness 
space between a familiar and comfortable past and an unpredictable and unfamiliar future. And as I uh, reflected on that, there are two ways in which I think that's right, where we are as a church family. Uh, one is with the emerging downtown ministry. We, we committed ourselves to this 10 years ago. And for more than two years, uh, we've had folks deeply engaged in prayer and study and reflection. And, and the vision of what it will be is becoming clearer all the time. And sure enough, there have been a lot of twists and turns and changes along the way. But we, we, we can see what the future looks like now. But we're in this in-between place, the hard struggle of giving shape and form and substance to the vision that God has placed within our hands. It's, it's an in-between place. And there's another way in which we're very much in that place, and that is we're, we're waiting for the time when the bishop will appoint the next senior pastor of this church just the way the bishop appointed me here 22 years ago and the way bishops before appointed the previous 42 pastors who have served this congregation. We're, we're waiting in this in-between place and it can be an anxious, frustrating, frightening place to be. Now, I can tell you, the clergy gossip mill is running full time. I know because for 40 years, I've been part of the gossip mill. I, I know how this is. I mean, there are preachers all over the Florida Annual Conference who are absolutely sure that they know either who the bishop has appointed or who the bishop ought to appoint to come to Hyde Park. Some guys and girls have their own names on that appointment. But here's the deal. Not one of those people, not one of them, is a member of our staff parish relations committee. And not one of them is the bishop. The bishop is like the old umpire who said, sometimes it's a ball, sometimes it's a strike. It ain't nothing till I call it. <laughs> and this appointment ain't nothing until the bishop calls it. And the bishop ain't called it yet. <laughs> we're, we're in this, this in-between place. And, and so the question out of the story is, what, what can we learn from the way Jesus went through the wilderness that can help us in the wilderness place in our own lives and in the wilderness place for us as a congregation? And uh, the clear beginning point is remember who you are. Remember who you are. Because all of the temptations begin with the little word if. The tempter says, if you are the Son of God, if that's who you are. Jesus was tempted to forget the voice of God at his baptism that said, this is who you are. You are my beloved Son. And in the wilderness, we are all easily tempted to forget who we really are to forget the voice that spoke over the water at our baptism and said, this is who you are. You are the beloved son or daughter of God. Remember who you really are. 
and for us as a congregation. Remember who we are as a body of Christ. Remember the mission that defines who we are. Hyde Park United Methodist Church is a community of people committed to Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, united in the love of God, and called to make that love real to others. That's who this church has always been. That's who this church will continue to be. That's who we Maybe the second thing Jesus teaches us is to stay rooted in the Word. Go deeply in the spiritual disciplines of Scripture reflection and prayer. Don't miss that every time Jesus is tempted, he confronts the temptation by reaching back into the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, calling out of the past the words that strengthened him in the present and prepared him for the future. He confronted the temptations out of his own disciplined life of living in scripture and in prayer. So in the wilderness place, go deep, deeply into the word, into prayer, and live in deep relationship with God. Maybe the other thing that Jesus teaches us is to uh, watch out for the angels because you never know when they might show up. Matthew says, angels came and waited on him. Now, just like, just like all those silly images of Satan, let's not get into sort of silly imaginations of little fluttering creatures fluttering down to earth. Angel language is picture language. It's, it's the imaginative way in which we uh, express the presence of God at work in and through us. To say that angels waited on him is to say that the same God who claimed Jesus as his son in baptism was the God who was with him in the wilderness, the same God that will be with you, you, you can depend on angels, meaning the presence of God to journey with you. And sometimes they come as surprise. Uh, as I've lived through this, thought about it, I remembered one of the wilderness places in the uh, nine-year non-stop construction project that rebuilt this site. Can you believe we've been back in the sanctuary more than 10 years? Uh, there are a lot of folks here who have no memory of that journey. But those of us who came through it remember it pretty well. And there was uh, one of the real wilderness places was when the task force uh, ran up against a problem in the renovation of this old building for which there seemed to be no good solution. At least no solution that anyone in their right mind could afford, you know. You can always solve a problem in an old building if you throw enough money at it, but we wanted to be good stewards of God's money, too. There seemed to be no way around. For weeks, the, the task force wrestled with options and alternatives and how do we get through this, this issue, and there seemed to be no way out. It was a wilderness place. Uh, the committee was just, the task force was worn out, and we decided we'd gather together not to do any work, but just 
just to restore ourselves, to spend some time in reflection and prayer about the journey we have been on and, and where it might lead. The morning of that gathering, Lynn Osborne was cleaning out some old files and she found this. Anybody remember what this is? This is called a reel-to-reel -reel tape. Looks like this. Some of you have never seen one of these before. And she, the back was labeled, laying of the cornerstone of the remodeled sanctuary, 1954. Intuitively, Lynn knew this was important. She went to work to find somebody in Tampa that could transfer from reel to reel to a CD. Now, you're gonna have to explain to your children what a CD is, this, you know, but back then, to get this onto a CD. And that night, we played this for the task force. We heard the voice of Dr. Lori Ray replacing the cornerstone on this building after the 1954 great remodeling renovation. He named people who were there that day who had been there when the original cornerstone was laid in 1907. And he named people who were there that day who were still with us in the renovation of this building at around the turn of the 20th century. Peggy McMichael, Hugo Schmidt, Grady Lester. Suddenly, the way Matthew says suddenly angels, suddenly, we experienced this long connection of a hundred years of faithfulness in this place, the direct link of all that had gone before us. It was a beautiful thing. Then in the service, uh, Dr. Ray led the congregation in a litany that we will use again next Sunday uh, when we celebrate the anniversary. Written in 1954, that perfectly defined the ongoing mission of this church in the 21st century. And the line that popped out was when they prayed for those who will follow us in this endeavor. They prayed for us. Pretty amazing moment. We were all sort of stunned by it. Prayed together. That was enough for the evening. We all got up, headed out to our cars to leave. And at, on the way out the door, one of the task force members said, I know this is crazy, but have we ever thought about doing this? And suggested an alternative that nobody had ever considered before. That week, we took that suggestion to the architects. They went back to work. And here you sit in worship today. I'd say that's the way angels show up 